Welcome to the Change Management Reviews Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. On this episode, Editor-in-Chief Teresa Moulton talks with Stacey Ferguson of Minnesota Change Management Network. Now here's today's podcast with Teresa Moulton. Stacey is an experienced principal consultant with over 25 years of transformational, operational, and problem-solving engagement. Stacey founded her firm on the principle of together sustaining success. Clients range from Fortune 25 companies to nonprofits to individual leaders all needing support through multidimensional change. The bigger the challenge, the better the fit for her skills and experience from the C-suite to the frontline folks and enabling leaders in between. Stacey has the unique ability to develop a change strategy aligned with the business project work, including the development and execution of supporting tactical action plans. Three specialties in her practice include assessing and developing high-performance teams, cultural assessment and alignment, and designing and developing customized workshops and interventions to expedite change adoption. Her current extracurricular involvement is as the VP of the Minnesota Change Management Network on the Board of Directors, working to develop a nexus of change management professionals in the Minnesota metro area and beyond. So, Stacy, welcome to our show. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, we're very excited to have you here. And as I understand it, you're the president-elect of the Minnesota Change Management Network. Yes, and we're right in the throngs of kind of wrapping up the year and prepping for elections for the incoming, what will be my basically my board. So, yeah, mm-hmm. very very excited, booming organization, growing really quickly right now. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, one of the questions I like to start out with, with most of my guests in change management, is uh, basically about telling us how you got into the field, because so far we haven't heard the same story twice. And you probably won't hear the same story again. So mine was, mine was. I don't know if you call it an accidental, um, you know, walk in to change, but um, from the very beginning of my work, like starting literally at my first job at McDonald's, I have been involved in some element of change. So there it was leadership and training development. And then I went into more of a leadership role around execution and operations process stuff, which I have I have served a term as the Six Sigma Black Belt as well. And then um, it wasn't until, like, 2008 that I officially had the title change manager in my job, but that's mm-hmm. when I really fully decided. It was kind of at that time when I was doing one of those look in my career, okay, what do I want to have done in my career when I'm retired? Like, what do I want to look back and have left behind? And I realized that there's some good themes that wove around and came to people because so I realized, you know, I didn't really like product development. You know, I wasn't that kind of person. I wanted to go sell some stuff, and I was – Leadership was great, and I wanted to include it, but I also realized if I wanted to go independent, that kind of wasn't going to be the the future I had. You need to be in an organization doing that. And um, although I love, I appreciate what HR does, I also realized that in organizations, that, that group kind of gets cast, and you can come into a healthy HR environment or one that's still kind of um, constrained to supporting a ton of people or not really being a partner. So I went, yeah, that's not the kind of people work I want to do. I really wanted to keep helping people solve problems and adopt, which is what's the theme of my, again, one of those threads through my career. And so I jumped in in about 2008 fully having that title and have not looked back ever since. Actually um, went on to private practice with my own firm 
in um, about five years later in 2012-2013 and have been just, you know, had the luxury, I guess, of being in a lot of different companies, a lot of different organizations, helping with all kinds of change that's been really um, looking back. I I wish I would have realized what I was wanting to do earlier, but the good news is I'm here. And I think many people, that's why you probably get a million stories, right? Many people find themselves at a point, at some point saying, yeah, you know, what I'm doing is change management. Um, whether or not that's what they acknowledge. So that's my story. All right. Well, it's a great story, and we appreciate you sharing it. Um, I'm remembering back to our conversation before this interview, and um, we were talking about, you know, specifically a change initiative, what makes what makes it successful, what causes it to fail, um, what are some of the key elements of the change management uh, strategy, you know, that needs to be in place at the beginning of initiative of the initiative, and you know, and, and uh, then how do how do you bring those those elements forward throughout the entire initiative? And I'm wondering if um, you could share your perspective on that with us. Sure. So I think you know, comes down there's a there's a few things that have to be in place in order for for anything to be successful. Right off the bat is do people want it? So, you know, in change, sometimes I feel like we're kind of going around, please, sir, can you offer me a job, you know? Um, sometimes you feel like you're, you're, I don't want to say begging, but you're trying to really sell hard what you're doing, when in reality, if you can be in a pull-from situation, that's the best. Not always this situation, but, uh, again, what would be ideal. So, again, first having people say, yep, I understand the need for change, and at a sponsor level, so really getting those sponsors to say, yep, what we need is someone to come in here and help us through it. We need to have someone who can dedicate or focus right on this initiative. And I think that's critical. And that's kind of the, the little case for change that you end up selling throughout the whole thing. You know, Prowlfire uses, everybody uses that for a foundational piece of effective change. So taking what they, that they understand they need you and they bring you in and then using that kind of going forward to help people understand why you're here. Um, another one is you need to have some really good communication, um, a good strategy and approach, and you really need to understand the organization that you're going into, like how do they communicate, both formally and informally. This is probably rocket science, this rocket science to most people, but really understanding that and not being afraid to kind of get rid of some of the old ineffective methods of communication or at least how you're going to use it when you develop or change initiative. And the second being being okay with, you know, implementing or introducing a few new things. Um, I think a huge piece of effective communication through any kind of change is that feedback loop. And unfortunately, even in organizations today, whether it be private sector, public sector, you know, government, whatever you're talking about, there isn't always a really good feedback loop, and I think that's a critical piece for change in order to make people feel like they really are allowed to change and ask questions. So I think that communication with a good, strong feedback loop in it is important. Um, learning, you know, organizations have a variety of learning environments, a variety of learning kind of setups and establishments. Some have a really good foundation and have even networks of people out there or a lot of resources dedicated to it. Some, it's a really light version. Some are more progressive, like they use some of the, like UPKs, user productivity kits, the, the on-demand training, the, you know, on websites. Some are still a little more old school kind of classroom but just understanding what there is, but that's a critical piece from the very beginning, identifying what they have and trying to suggest some improvements before you get to the need of training. Also, I think 
you know, a lot of times training gets to be one of those things at the end, similar to change management, where at the very end, before they're ready to go live with a new system, for example, oh, now we need training. It's like, are you kidding me? So making sure that training is considered from the very beginning and that you're, you're again, in the beginning, it's not as much of a heavy lift, but just getting them involved, making them understand what it is, kind of having them be part of that assessment and analysis around understanding how training works in an organization, what people need, and then obviously when training needs to be executed, you know, from a change perspective, you need to be, that practitioner needs to be involved, not necessarily training, but hearing what people are saying, getting the feedback, making sure we follow up and, and get additional sessions out if needed, or, you know, maybe we need to do, um, you know, feedback sessions on, you know, I'm not say competence, but the performance of people in their new, in their new realm. Um, maybe it's additional materials are needed. Um, people said, ooh, initially they said they just wanted a, a little workbook and now they want quick reference guides. So it's making sure those things kind of get taken care of. And I think from a change perspective, both are the things that help sustain an organization. And sadly, a lot of organizations still don't have a good sustainable um, library or reference materials. And I don't mean paper necessarily, but somewhere people can go and keep getting refreshers on demand. If it's the company, the internet, right, whatever just helping people be prepared for that from a learning perspective. Um, you know, I should, probably should have mentioned it first, but leadership sponsorship, as I said, initially getting me on board, but that leadership coaching throughout, I find as a practitioner, I spend at least 50% of my time working with leaders. If it's coaching them to help them, under, you know, help them be more of a change advocate, if it's giving them the scripts they need and getting them comfortable with that, some people are, some people aren't, um, addressing issues with individuals or groups of folks that are maybe more in a resistant state or are kind of sliding down instead of moving up the change curve, um, you know, working with those leaders I think is, is a critical piece of change work. And I think it's um, oftentimes underestimated by either a practitioner or the organization. And so I think you need to be ready to be spending a lot of time. And it's sometimes it's, you know, it's block and tackle stuff like we need to have this meeting and when can that be and it's working around calendars, but some of it might also be just that like I said, that supportive coaching, helping them understand what they need to do. Right. And then there needs to be, there needs to be in this world, especially I think in this day and age, some kind of readiness measurement and an adoption measurement along the way. So you can be giving people like tangible things, like this is where people are based on how they report back. Kind of those, it's the results of assessments and such, but it's also making sure that you're monitoring progress of adoption not just the tactical change work plan, but like literally how are people doing? Are they getting closer to ready? And there's a lot of different readiness assessments out there, obviously, that people can use. So I think that that is a key piece. And that doesn't start right away, obviously, like it's going a little bit into it, but you need to kind of be aware of it throughout the whole entire um, process. I usually do some initial baseline when I'm doing my introductory um, interviews and getting to know people in the organization and just try to understand where they think they are. And then just once you start getting into the kind of the heat of things, when you start to bring on maybe a change agent network or whatever, you can start to get into regular monitoring. And then I, I always have some form of cultural understanding. Most most people don't want to necessarily attack that big bear, but um, you need to be aware of what the culture is and if it's working for or against you in whatever you're trying to change, right? And then helping the, organiza the organization, leadership, senior leadership usually understand where their culture is you know, if you're fortunate enough that you have people who are really progressive and say, yeah, no, I think you should totally get down that, go down that path. You can even use some, like the OKI tool and, and really develop a robust 
um, cultural plan, like a uh, big big assessment and work plans and action plans that are integrated into the actual project work itself, which I think is obviously more ideal. Um, but I think acknowledging culture along the way is a really important piece as well. Yeah. Be I think those yeah. are the core, I mean, I could go on and on, but those are the core things that I think when you're talking about change work, you need to kind of keep those in mind from the beginning to the end and follow them along. Right. I agree. I think one of the things with training is that people think of the outcome versus the content that mm -hmm. needs to be developed throughout the length of the project so that you can deliver it. Yeah. And I definitely um, agree with you. Yeah. yeah, I find I find that, you know, that was an issue, you know, with the work that I did, you know, 25 years ago and it's still hanging out as an issue now. Yeah. So it's it's just one of those um, you know, perennial issues on every project, I guess. And, you know, I was just talking to actually the training manager of my current client about that very exact thing and then mm -hmm. also saying that, you know, that's kind of the truth about change, too. It's like at the very beginning, day one, we're going to kick off this project. There can be those leaders who say, okay, I want the plan. I want that. What are we going to do? You know, they want to see the results. Okay, well, where are we at with writing this? It's like these are processes. They take time. You need to – and you want them to take time. You don't want to try to zip to an answer right now because it's not going to be the right one. And, so I think it's funny, you kind of work against a little bit of a, the instantaneous gratification um, kind of vibe that's out in, the, out in the world today. Like, people want it now, and they want it fast. It's like, yeah, no, you don't want this fast, because it's not going to be what you need it to be in the end then. Right, right. And so you spoke also about um, having some indicators or measurements around adoption, and I'm wondering okay. if you could give a few examples of specific uh, indicators that, you know, you've used um, in the past. Absolutely. So, I mean, I'll, I'll say one thing that I think people, I hope most people typically do is they'll measure training. But that's kind of down the path. But I do want to highlight that, that, you know, training, um, number one, completion, um, competence, um, making sure that it's effective and complete, those things are an important measurement of, adoption once you're kind of down that path. But I think, um, and again, I wouldn't start measuring adoption or readiness or any kind of measure of change right off the bat because you need to kind of get in and understand what you're doing. But once you do have that understanding, um, I think it's important to get, again, I use, uh, I'll call it baseline readiness. I do a baseline in the beginning just to mm -hmm. say, here's where everybody, here's where everybody is in understanding what's happening, you know, the mm -hmm. what of what's changing, the how, and then certainly the how it's going to impact them. So it's the kind of what's in it for me piece is do people understand what that means? And then, you know, the connection to the bigger strategy in the organization. Um, actually, I just got done, it's funny, I just got done doing one of these writing this assessment literally before I came to, came to this podcast. So, um, <laughs> you know, just understanding those things. And it's a basic, I have a basic, like, 10, 15 question assessment that people go through and say, I strongly agree to strongly disagree, and they rate themselves, and then it comes out in kind of a ready, not ready, unsure is the net output of that. And then with mm -hmm. that, you can use that as your baseline to how you go forward. And it helps you because, you know, part of the challenge in a lot of organizations, there can be thousands of people that are in the organization that you have to worry about, and you have to be able to prioritize or target them in some way. So even if it's like a little heat map, like, okay, this, this group is red. They are totally not in the loop. You know, they're starting at less than zero on the scale of understanding. And then it helps you to kind of not, again, I hate to say prioritize, but kind of tell you where the, what, how much work you have to do with each group and, and where you need to start. 
Um, again, very, very basic readiness assessment, but it's, it's one that's measurable and tangible. And then we, I also use just, it's literally the little adoption curve with the different stages with clear definitions on them. Mm -hmm. And I have people self-assess on that. And so it's, you know, where do you feel you are now after we've done, you know, say, started to execute some of our communication and training plans or we've started to talk about it out in the world and the leaders have started to supposedly initiate their own kind of meaningful discussions about it. I, I check in progress. I would say really partner with my measurement of adoption is a change agent network that helps you to measure that within their peer group. Because again, ideally everything would be electronic, right? At, at somebody's desk, and you look at time studies, you'd be saying, I feel good about it today. You know, here's where I am in, in red, yellow, green, or, you know, along the curve, here's where I sit. But I think um, that, that isn't usually available in most organizations. So just a Hey, if you're worried, you want to change curve, let me, you know, give me a response. And then if you need to, if you don't feel like they're where they should be according to the progress of the work, just do some deep dive and troubleshooting in that area. Um, those are two of my kind of basic go-to's. You know, there's tools that you can, I can use for, um, like I said, training learning, but I can also do some things for culture. I can do some things with communication effectiveness. But I like to have measure literally adoption and use them to self-identify. I found mm -hmm. it super effective, and I can tell you when I've used it, I've had successful initiatives. When I have not, it's pretty hit and miss because if you're never asking people where they feel like they are, and you're just depending on, well, did really good attendance at that training session, or seems like everybody got that communication message, I think it's you're doing yourself a disservice. And mm -hmm. I always, I'm a, the first thing I usually say to any new client, the leader, the engagement owner, whatever it is. By the way, I'm a team of one, so I will absolutely leverage as many people in the organization as possible, including all the impacted end users, right? I want them to tell me what they need to know. I want them to tell me how they want to learn, how they want to get clear messages, and that is usually the first approach to most of the things that I do. But that's, mm -hmm. that's my measurement. A couple basic tools, moving us forward. Great. Great. And I just wanted to shift gears a little bit on... Uh, talking about you know selling the value of change management. Last week I I did a webinar on selling the need for change management in the organization. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are in terms in terms of how do you successfully sell the value of change management? Well, the thing I, in my experience, what I found about selling the value of change management is oftentimes describing it without it. So it's kind of talking about the absence of change management, mm -hmm. to afford to go down the path, you know, implement this multi-million dollar system or, or disrupt and take away, you know, thousands of your employees' time for multiple hours a week and then have it not be worth it or have mm -hmm. the system not be utilized. And I kind of tend to connect it to the value of not having it or the, the loss of not having it mm -hmm. um, is, my, is what I find to be most effective. I think instinctually most leaders who are, you know most people are good leaders and good people leaders they get what that their people need support through change and they get if they're going through a big change that's kind of a left turn from how they're operating that they need help and I mean I'll get um, you know I'll speak at a panel and I just did some speaking at panels this winter and people come up to me and they're like oh my gosh our organization it was actually a property development person really struck me they're like we're going through so much change we're acquiring all these properties we have kind of a total variety of people that are coming in and, and people aren't able to kind of keep up with um, staying on the same page and, and going through this can come and speak to us. I'm actually going to be speaking to their, their group in April um, at their kind of quarterly meeting and helping them get through it. But I think it's really about 
helping what happens if you don't have it. And mm. most people, like I said, they self-identify I'm in pain because this change is happening to me. And if they know, um, you know, it's kind of a, a no-brainer when you have something like an acquisition or a merger because then they know we're going to have a lot of two different organizations coming together and whatever. And, again, the people tend to focus on the tactical. But, again, good. Um, and I think it's um, just having help, having a good elevated sense of, well, here's what I can help you do. And mm. I think not every not every leader or every person you're talking with is always in tune with those things. But I think talking about what happens if you don't is the best, best um, clearest route to take with most conversations. Yeah, that sounds great. It's, I think I think that's true. You know, helping people whether you're trying to show them the you know future without change management or the future with change management, just helping them kind of step into that is really important. Yeah. Really important. I think also just reassuring them that from my I practice with a transfer to run the business or you know transition my knowledge. I don't want to become your, your your addiction, you have to have me there to be successful with change. Right. So I really am about, I'm really about transferring the knowledge, and I think if you can help them understand that as well, if you go at it with that approach, it makes people feel better. It's like, it's, it's just like a trainer, right? You're going to hire a trainer because you want to be physically fit and you want to be able to run a marathon, but you don't want to just be physically fit until the marathon and then start falling apart after, right? You want to be <laughs> fit for the rest of your life. So, right. you know, I would like to say we're, we're building and coaching people to be able to work these these new behaviors into their business and how they do work. And, I mean, it's really weaving into the fiber of their culture so that they can be successful thereafter. Um, I haven't actually, now that I just said that out loud, I haven't done any post-mortems with past organizations, although I've had one come to me and say, you were the best thing that happened to our organization. But, again, I don't know if that means they're still flexible and whatever or they had fun when I was there. I don't know. (laughs) Well, it sounds like a compliment either way. So that's good. And so, you know, as we had uh, talked about this before, we, you know, we also had thought it would be important for people to really get a, a sense of what you think um, does not make change stick. Yes. So um, I, I love this, this um, when you said that to me when we were talking, I was like, oh, that would be, that would, that's an awesome thing to talk about. I mean, some of the things that don't make change stick are, obviously, the things I said we need to be successful throughout. Don't do any of those right, or do them mm-hmm. last minute or just in time because that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, the, top, the top down or the because this will happen, the kind of the, I guess it's almost like the common failures, you know, a leader saying we're going to do this because, that doesn't work. I mean, most people don't jump on board just because some leader says you have to. Or even if an organization, like the new motto is changed, that doesn't make people want to change or doesn't help make it stick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, talking to people um, in generic terms or in money terms only or not really understanding what makes your people tick. So mm-hmm. if it, you know, they they like the benefits, so for example, say they love the fact that you have on-site daycare, that's a really big thing for them, or that you do have adaptable um, hours, you may be a result-oriented work environment, or you just have flexible hours, they can work from home, they can work here. If you don't understand that that's what's important to your, you know, your employees and you change that and as part of a new, maybe you have a merger and acquisition, you eliminate that, you're going to lose, if not the productivity of your team, you might literally lose them from your team. And I think it's important to be aware of your people. I mean, literally just what is important to them about work. And I also think 
you know, I always say people are, they're humans on the planet before they're an employee in an organization, right? So they live a whole life outside of the, it's not eight to five necessarily, but outside the eight to five when they're in your, in your, at their desk in your building. And I think it's important to acknowledge there's a lot going on. And of course, with the, with the shift, with the new generations, I mean, I just, I have a, um, couple kids in college and when I look at what's important to them and how they function in a day-to-day environment, like literally how their day-to-day is, it is completely different than mine. And even some of the expectations they have, so my son is graduating college here in, in December and his expectations of working are just so completely different than mine. And I just think, and so there's been probably two generations in there or a generation and a half maybe that have gone from the official generations in the world. Um, and I just think not understanding that dif- those differences for a company will make you die. You're not going to have the great talent. You're not going to have the freshest perspectives. And, I mean, literally, as the baby, as the baby boomers retire, you're not going to have people who will work in your organization. And, you know, we can't, you know, a lot, I know a lot of organizations tend to discard all, and, you know, social media, that's another thing, or not. You can't deny those things anymore. I mean, gosh, look what a huge role that played in the election this year. And I just think not being aware of what your employees need and what they want is a huge change challenge. And also not just being aware. So some of the things I just mentioned, being aware of those in an organization. If you're not aware that change is going to happen continuously for anyone now, you're just you're in denial and no change will stick. I mean, you know, it's just like you're not even being realistic with what's happening. So I think um, that's an important part is being not being realistic or keeping your head in the sand is not going to allow you to have change stick at all. And I think you need to just always have your eyes open. Whether or not you agree or not or that's going to affect your business or not, you just need to be aware. You know, people even say, well, politics doesn't matter. That won't affect anything I have going on. I don't think you can say that anymore. And I think we're gravely aware of how that's just not true anymore in the world. And it doesn't even have to do with politics here in the U.S. It could be politics overseas. You know, that is real. I mean, 9-11 was the first wake-up of that, but I think other than that, we still have continued reality checks of we are a global environment and you need to be aware and not being cognizant of that while you're implementing changes, whether it be the technology ones or the larger kind of cultural changes or um, process changes. It just is not not going to – it's not a reality check. So I think those are some of the core things that to me – prevent change from staking, and um, I'm sure there's, there's a million more and probably half a dozen I, have, I forgot about, but I think those are the core things. Okay, great. That's great. Well, listen, we're almost out of time, so I wanted to uh, make sure that we had a chance to ask you um, a question about uh, new people coming into the field of change management, and they're looking around at certifications, they're looking at experience they may or may not have yet, um, and they're wondering, Mm -hmm. okay, where do I start, you know, what should I keep in mind as I start my Mm -hmm. change management career? And I wondered what you Mm -hmm. could share with us about that. I love it. I love it because I get asked this actually a lot, especially being part of the Minnesota (laughs) Change Management Network. So, you know, first of all, I would say, what have you done in your career? So, you know, you look at kind of what is the work that you can actually apply to change management from a Maybe you did training at one. Maybe your role was in training at one point. Maybe you were the communications director of a particular organization. Um, you know, even something as simple as, oh, I put on special events for 
my church or for, for a um, special group that I'm part of, a club I'm part of, um, my gym, I facilitated a uh, communication piece. I think look at what you have done in your life and see what, how it applies. I'd always recommend if you have no context to change, haven't been schooled or, you know, even read up on things, it is a good thing, idea to get a basic education about um, change. Obviously, the most prevalent is pro-sci, um, and, and they're great. Love those guys. Um, also, you know, there's there's smaller regional, um, I know like in Chicago, um, LaMarche has a training change certification plan, and there's a lot out there, so I don't want to start mentioning and not mention some. Um, I think, you know, there's a couple of good um, basic books you can read, read, and I don't want to even start listing those, but you can read some books to help give you the context for it. And here's the other thing I'd say. If you don't, if you can't, because it's difficult to get a change job if you haven't had a change job, you know, where your change is in your title. So sometimes it's getting into maybe a communication role and taking a little bit more of a change slant on it, or if change opportunities come, taking those on, um, including maybe being part of a change initiative or a team that is actually a change team. Being open to that is a great way to get experience. I'll also offer, you know, joining associations like Minnesota Change Management Network or groups that are focused on change. That, I mean, it gives you real time by the colleagues that you're associated with that usually have activities and events that are surfaced around or circled around it. Um, the other thing I would say is don't, please don't, on behalf of the change practitioners or yourself, sell your, because you have an interest in change, sell yourself as a change practitioner. Because I think that it, you'll set yourself up for failure and it will damage the, organiz- the, the practice. So I think be okay to not maybe be able to, when you've determined I want to do change, it's okay if I can't go out there and sell myself as a change manager. Get in and do the, have some experiences, do the work, um, you know, take on initiatives, take support. Hey, reach out to colleagues who actually are in change and see if they need some help on their, on their work that they're doing. So maybe you can get in under a strong practitioner and get some experience. I've done that with folks who are relatively green. They came in maybe as a coordinator, you know, a change coordinator, change project coordinator. And I personally am all about developing and delegating and helping people be better. So I move them forward in a way that um, helps to move, you know, help them to get into a more competent position. Those are some of my some of my thoughts and ideas about that, and there are many more. I think, by the way, also ha- always have a kind of a change mentor if you can. So somebody who is a practitioner that you can run ideas by, and you'll use that for the rest of your life. They'll become you'll get more and more of them, and you'll have kind of a coffee clutch, coffee group of folks even to talk about because there's nothing change practitioners like better than talking with other change practitioners. So I think. You know, that is another great way to learn a lot and get some better understanding of what's needed out in the world. Right. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Stacey, for your time and for your wisdom. Um, You know, I'm really excited for people to hear uh, the podcast, and um, it's been a pleasure interviewing you. Absolutely. It's great. I always love to talk about change, and great to talk with you, Tracy. You're doing great stuff. Thanks for being an advocate and spokesperson for us out there. Oh, you're welcome. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, listening to Teresa Moulton of Change Management Review and Stacey Ferguson of Minnesota Change Management Network. Be sure to check out our website at changemanagementreview.com. We also invite you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and join us on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.